but hello. Hi. Hello. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Veil After Dark. It is April 18th, and we have Professor, Professor Lovell, Lovell with us. Yay. 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 Hey, everybody. He's here. Yeah. I always want to add in, like, little kids, like, like clapping sounds. We should for <laughs> like, this episode. Add the little kid clapping. Like, yay. Yeah. That's what I envision. But we are little kids, and we are clapping. Or we could just get little kids and clap in, in studio <laughs> be like okay now clap for us <laughs> right. yeah that's a pa- part you probably want to edit out <laughs> <laughs> that seems odd yeah that is <laughs> okay. okay Dr. Al what, when did you first encounter jazz as a child mm-hmm. do you remember as a child I don't know that I ever have any kind of recollection of hearing jazz but it wasn't until freshman year in high school that I really started to kind of get into it before then it was playing in a jazz band in middle school but it was like theme from the muppets and the flintstones (laughs) and things like that real jazz that's yeah that's the hardcore stuff Mm -hmm. oh yeah but um no i think it was my freshman year in high school i was uh with my dad in southern california going to a football game and one of the evening, the first night or the second night, I don't remember. We we stopped out at a record store. Now these were these were um, places you went to actually purchase music, like, right? <laughs> right, consumable media, you know, and uh, in cassette and CD form. And so I asked my dad if he would buy me a cassette of John Coltrane's Blue Train because I'd heard the John Coltrane was was uh was all that mm-hmm. and then the other album he got me was uh, harry connick jr's first oh. album as uh, was mostly an instrumental album um and before that my parents kind of noticed that i had taken an interest in 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 playing in the band i was playing saxophone since the seventh grade and and so they went to the music store and asked hey who are some good saxophonists that that our son should listen to and and the clerk said here, try this Kenny G album, and uh, which Kenny G plays the saxophone, and uh, I was like, works for me. I knew who he was because Songbird, yeah, still, still like you in put play. On the right radio station. Yeah, it's uh, he's actually quite, quite uh, prolific. But uh, and then the other album was Tom Scott. So those were the only two really encounters with jazz that I had until I got to my freshman year in high school. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of the roundabout answer. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you 14. like? When did you knew? When did, when did you knew? When did you know that you wanted to do music for mm-hmm. a career? When when did you kind of decide you like wanted to study mm. music? I think I'm still kind of working that out. Oh yeah. Oh, valid. Um, I respect that. But it, it went back and forth. I think it was probably my Before sophomore you? junior year that I I decided that saxophone is what I wanted to really focus in on and. That identity that we kind of create for ourselves, I thought being a jazz musician seems kind of cool. <laughs> and and my my friends and I, um, we had a little group that we were playing uh, playing in, and so um, it was nice to have that kind of community, mm-hmm. that uh, that musical community. And so once I got hooked on John Coltrane and some of these other jazz musicians and started really listening carefully to the music, I think. It was probably the end of my junior year that uh, I decided maybe studying and doing something with music for my career is what I wanted to do. But that was very different than where I ended up with my music career today. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. As a man of many, many talents and like playing different instruments, what instrument are you most drawn to? That's a to? lot of many's. 
<laughs> Maybe too, too many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm kidding. Sorry. What, were you, what was the question? I was asking what instrument are you most drawn to out of all that you play? Well, saxophone and piano are my two primary instruments. And it's, I think, depending on when you knew me, you might think of me as a pianist or as a saxophonist. I, uh, I studied for 10 years on, on piano and it was mainly classical um, from the time I was maybe six or seven until I was mm. 16, 17. Mm. And then um, I started playing the saxophone in the middle of seventh grade. Um, my parents had moved, from, moved us in the middle of my seventh grade year from Utah to California. And I was playing snare drum in the seventh grade band. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to California, I was the new kid and band was right after lunch. And in California, a lot of the schools have outside halls. So basically buildings that you walk to, mm-hmm. right? And um, I remember standing outside the band room and waiting for the band teacher to come unlock the band room. And kids started to congregate outside the band room and and they said so what uh, what instrument do you play and i said well i play the drums and the two guys that were were kind of the most sort of i don't know what the word is um aggressive said oh no we 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 have enough drummers oh you can't play drums you're not wanted yeah you can't play drums basically and then i said well then i I think i'm going to play saxophone and so that was in the middle of the seventh grade, and my band director handed me a, sac- a tenor saxophone, showed me how to put together, put the reed on, and put me in the instrument locker room, and I spent the next couple of weeks learning how to play in a closet, basically. Um, but um, So the saxophone is something that when I was probably, like I said, in the freshman, sophomore, I started to really kind of gravitate towards. And the piano was, I was losing interest. My parents were always trying to keep me interested in it because mm-hmm. I was like, I want to quit. I don't want to play anymore. I don't want to practice. Have we heard this mm-hmm. before? Yeah, okay. yeah. And so uh, uh, they were trying to find ways to keep me interested in the piano, but the saxophone um, was how I was able to stay interested in music throughout my high school years. And uh, then when I got to my senior year, I was trying to decide whether or not to, uh, I mean, what to study as my primary instrument. So I uh, was getting sort of recognition on saxophone and ended up going on scholarship to college on saxophone. So if you go to my alma mater uh, at Ricks College in Idaho or BYU in, in Provo, they knew me mainly as a, a saxophonist that played a little piano. But then by the end of my time at BYU, it was, I was doing more piano than saxophone. And uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. But but probably since the last couple of years at BYU through my graduate work um, and since then, I've been primarily known as a, as a pianist. That's kind of where I – that's my wheelhouse mostly. I'd like to continue to play saxophone when I can and I gig here and there with it um, and try and remind myself that connection I have with the instrument. But mm-hmm. so – Anyway, so I, I it's really this, long-winded. <laughs> that was that was good. No, was oh, awesome. thanks. Um, I I found this quote from the internet. It says, um, do, "Do you agree with this?" It says, "Lovell's oh. interests include music theory, pedagogy, and the analysis of pop rock and jazz styles with patriarch uh, particular emphasis on the music of Stevie Wonder and saxophonist John uh, Joe Henderson." Lovell p- published the essays. An exploration, exploration of melody, harmony, and improvisation in the music of Stevie Wonder. 
So Do did you, you mean pedagogy? Pedagogy. Pedagogy. Yeah. <laughs> it's all. It's all. Yeah, it all works. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm kind of wondering if maybe I wrote that. <laughs> so it sounds like my bio, but um, but yeah, that's that seems pretty pretty accurate. Um, I still love to think about Stevie Wonder's music. I haven't really done anything with it research wise, although I am considering putting together a proposal to present at the Jazz Education Conference next January on on something from my dissertation. But it's been, you know, it's been a minute since I mm-hmm. did anything analytically with him except for what I've introduced to my students mm-hmm. in, uh, in my courses. And that, that same site, I also found that you were the Educator of the Year. You, you have the Educator of the Year Award from uh, 2020, uh, sorry, 2013. So in 2013, was that it's like ten years ago? Thing or yeah, uh, you know the students get to vote on who their the educator of the year is, um, and uh, for some reason they thought that uh, I deserved that in my second year. So you must have been doing something right for students to be like, "You deserve it." <laughs> I just how did I? I guess I'm just assuming. stay humble about it. Yeah, it's just like you do yeah. what you do. You do just what you do. Did, and if did my thing. Because yeah. usually we be complain about compress or com- Professors, it's usually like the opposite. It's usually who's the the worst professor when when that was the opposite. What do you like, mean? <laughs> yeah, my, my kids like to point out my my rate my professor, which I have never really looked at. So um, um, I didn't really even know that existed still, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. but you're rated very well on there, so it doesn't. Matter. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. You were <laughs> high on the list. I see. Um, so yeah, I I think I just. With that that award, I mean, of course, I was um, touched by the the fact that my students back then that student group was the same group that started out with me as freshmen, mm-hmm. freshmen, excuse me, uh, where I was a freshman faculty member my first year, and they were freshman music majors, mm-hmm. and we had seventy or so freshman music major that year so there were a lot of them so just by the i think playing the odds i think that's probably one reason why maybe i got got the nomination or the award because there's so many of them mm-hmm. like, made up a huge percentage of the population of the students at lvc because really i don't interact with the students outside of the music department mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. i mostly teach music's uh, core classes so how did you start like building up the jazz aspect um, at LVC, like, how was that a like something you worked with, do- you know, Dr. Morell with? Was that a partnership, and like, what did that look mm-hmm. like? Yeah, that's interesting. I had always, when I had originally thought about going into academia and teaching at higher education, my my initial thought was I wanted to be running a jazz program. Uh, that that was where my heart truly was, and. I think I decided on music theory for my doctorate because I realized that as far as um, as far as music departments go, music programs, every music program has a theory curriculum and a ear training curriculum, and I and I find that I I found that I really enjoyed that uh, teaching those subjects. But you know, full disclosure, I I thought I was going to be a Tom Stroman somewhere, or uh, you know, people that were mentors to me and the mm-hmm. jazz programs and. Um, so when I got here, I, I kind of moonlighted in the department for several uh, jazz program for several years. We we did the common we started the Common Era Jazz um, program six or seven years ago, just as an mm-hmm. opportunity to to uh, to connect 
with our Dr. Morell and I, with our jazz roots, and remember, remind ourselves why we decided to get into music to begin with. And and then in 2019, um, which was the summer just before the pandemic, um, or the end of that school year, I guess, so the spring of 2019, Professor Stroman um, came to my office and said, look, I, I've, I, I, I'm, I need to be done with trying to, to, to run this program. And he was part-time at that, t- at that point, and uh, it just is a lot of work, and especially for somebody who's, who's part-time and not full-time and not able to devote the kind of energy and time to it. And, and, and I had indicated, every, I mean, I'd indicated for probably not so subtly for a couple <laughs> of years, like, hey, if you ever decide to give up the jazz band, so let me know. Like cause, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. 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 So consider me and, you know, uh, we had somebody already running the, the small jazz program and, and or the ensembles. And, and so I, I didn't really want to step on people's toes. I didn't didn't want to like uh, I didn't want to impose, impose yeah, impose on like Professor Tyndall's jazz piano um, studio because I didn't, you know, I, even though I'm a jazz pianist, that, that was his, you know, that was his lane. And so I was trying to, you know, be respectful of those, those, uh, those different lanes. And so, so when Professor Stroman came to me and said, I'm, I'm ready to, to hand the reins over, yeah. um, I couldn't have even really contemplated seriously taking over the band without, without thinking about uh, Dr. Morell as well and he had expressed interest in also running the band and i saw this as a perfect opportunity for us to to collaborate because um, we've been friends for for a long time and we both have similar aesthetics and and approaches um pedagogically or pedagogically pedagogy whatever yeah it's great mark you're doing awesome uh so uh anyway that's when we took it over in 2019 and and um and then, of course, we get a year into it. We don't even get a year into it, yeah. and everything gets shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Mark, was you were there when mm-hmm. I first – was that your freshman year or your sophomore year? Uh, my freshman year, were, I think you were running um, Jazz Workshop. Because right? Right. I remember seeing – it was Elena Gavell, um, Matt Ralph on drums. Right. Then, so that was your first – your first year that was, was freshman when, year because i wasn't i was undecided i was like undecided like whatever right, major right 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 so yeah you you've been involved in the jazz program about as long as i have uh in that regard so because you were playing in the workshop and we were team teaching in the workshop and yeah that was really and good the jazz ensemble which is what it was called at the time so we would take it was a two-hour rehearsal dr morell would take one hour with the the jazz band and i would take one hour with the workshop and then we'd switch so it was a nice opportunity for the students to be able to uh, to interact with both of us and have that instruction. That but was then, some of the best jazz learning I've ever had. Just be, yeah. someone telling me, a good time. you need to play the head on drums. You need to learn the head on drums just, instead of just sitting there playing time. Was, and then you remember the next semester we had like six drummers and we were all <laughs> on these lockdown protocols. And so we had two drummers in practice rooms on zoom uh-huh. you remember this yeah it was brooke I was, it was brooke david right. matt, matt ralph, ralph me, mitch yeah mitch and, and uh-huh. dave and and david yeah and and david um come on drummer yeah dave um i can't remember his last name how come i he's gonna feel so bad if he listens to this podcast because he's one of my favorite students and i'm just blanking on his last name we'll look that up and edit that in there okay yeah it'll be like be david saying yeah yeah blank yeah 
But yeah, so that's what we, that's what, this is probably the part where you can kind of be like, hey. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that was 2019. We were, we were starting to come up with a concept as to how we wanted to move forward with the band and having ex- certain expectations about the whole process. We instituted an audition process and, and really we're trying to, to let students know that, that we were interested in, in, um, building up the program uh, because I don't, I don't know if you guys realize this, but jazz at LVC has been a very strong tradition over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was start, started by the Sinfonia brothers back in the 1960s. And they had a very, very prestigious program just run by students. Um, the jazz band uh, run by the, uh, the fraternity and had some wonderful players come through that, uh, that band over the years. And, um, and so it kind of got brought into the department in the late 80s when Tom Stroman came, uh, came on board as a faculty member. But he was a student here and was also one of the sort of the important key legacy players in the jazz program at LVC. And so we thought we, thought we wanted to try to find that, tap into that legacy a little bit and restore some of that, that prestige to the program. Because um, if you listen to Professor Stroman, he has just so many wonderful stories about mm-hmm. about the legacy, the history of jazz at LVC. We used to have the Central Pennsylvania Friends Jazz Camp here in the summers, and um, so so we we thought that's what we wanted to to, to be sort of our uh, to build on that legacy and that tradition. And then COVID happened and kind of neutralized that for about a year and a half or so. Um, we were doing the best we could as every every ensemble but um so what is your vision moving forward with that same line of thought where, where do you think we can go from here you know i i still i'm the sky's the limit i i have i have strong maybe unrealistic expectations sometimes my students might think that um but raising the bar to the point where i feel like we could be well represented outside of lvc in the mm-hmm. jazz in the jazz world where we could take our students to festivals in which we're 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 getting there and mm-hmm. we're um and and having them perform in uh, a variety of locations and um and not feel like it would reflect poorly on the on the on the program mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and it's just it's lack of experience and mm-hmm. and and trying to set an expectation where um that we could be known as a hub for jazz excellence in this region as kind of what I would like mm-hmm. to see happen. And, and, and we have some wonderful musicians playing in these groups right now and, um, and doing some great things and just seeing a lot of growth, a lot of individual growth, a lot of growth in the program um, that we're pretty excited about. And mm-hmm. we've got this big, uh, this big jazz residency coming up in a couple of weeks with John Diversa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As, uh, as I've said multiple times, he is a multi Grammy award-winning musician that is coming to play with the Valley Jazz Orchestra, which we couldn't, you know, couldn't be more excited about. And so cool. A little nervous because his music is very demanding, and it's it's forced the students to step their game up. And uh, do you really want this? And uh, striving for musical excellence. So that's anyway, we're we're uh, that's that's kind of where we're the trajectory here cool. is to. Um, I'm so excited for VJ. What what is the day of that again? Our uh, VGO concert is on May 2nd mm-hmm. at the Allen Theater, the historic Allen Theater across the street. Yes. 
Um, and then Diversa will be here all week working with students, giving a master class on that same day. And oh. then um, he's getting interviewed at Good Day uh, PA on Thursday morning. And then Friday, we've got uh, him in concert with us, the faculty group, and all day will be a jazz invitational where we're having high three high school bands come and get a, get a clinic by John, uh, Mr. Diversa. So very cool. Yeah. How many schools are involved with that? Just three because it's a short it's so a like short Leona, window. Like... Actually, no. We're uh, we reached out to uh, several different schools, uh, many of which had their prom on mm -hmm. that night because it's the last day of our semester yeah. and towards the end of their semester and so and some schools didn't have uh, cla classes that day um, so we found three schools that we're were not uh, didn't have any conflicts and cool. I think Mannheim Township is one of them mm -hmm. um, Carlisle area mm -hmm. and then Walkersville High School in Maryland is going to be coming up very nice yeah, okay. so and they'll have an opportunity to work with Mr. Diversa and get feedback on their groups and then um, and then the VJO will play for them. There'll be a master class and then they'll all come to the concert, the faculty concert that night with okay. Mr. Diversa. What Doc. a cool opportunity. That's so nice. Yeah, and we were excited. Who, who Did you organize that? Dr. Merle and I have been laying the groundwork for this event since last spring. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah, we've been doing tri laying this infrastructure, getting it all put together and as you know, marketing is mm -hmm. very time consuming and we're, we're basically wearing a lot of hats to get this to, to happen. So we're, we're hopeful that uh, the word will get out, that we'll have a good, good showing at these events mm -hmm. and uh, people, the jazz going community will be, uh, will be tapped into it. So mm -hmm. this is kind of a two part question. So was Diversa brought about with um, All Without Words? Was that kind of the package, this sort, sort of morale, just, you know, probably networking and mm -hmm. And then, so can you touch on that a little bit? And then also, like, what compositions are for you? Because you have artifactual and, oh, and right. other stuff. And do you, do, you, do you see that as something that you do for fun? Or is that more of, like, a building a portfolio so that you can perform things live? Is, right. How do you see compositions for yourself at this point? Right, right. So the first question uh, about the connection with Mr. with uh, John DeVersa, we, uh, as you know, uh, Dr. Morell is basically childhood friends with with uh, with John Diversa, they've known each other since they were very young. Uh, their parents were musicians and friends uh, before they were born, so they grew up around the, the block from each other and were making music with each other since that age. And uh, they've collaborated on numerous projects over the years. And and, and uh, John Diversa has been here a couple of times just for a couple of days working with students and things, but. Um, we were trying to reestablish um, in the in the past. The jazz band had given a spring concert, the annual spring concert, and they would have a guest artist, and that was usually somebody from New York or a, a really recognizable figure in the jazz world. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to, I sort of tapping into that legacy, wanted to reestablish that. And it started last year with our first guest artist concert with Professor Tom Stroman. We felt like that would be a nice opportunity to showcase him. Um, after he had sort of stepped down from the band uh, as a soloist and performer. And, um, and then this year we thought, well, we need to find somebody who has a lot of experience working with college students and so is a, a, an educator so that we can have that, that, uh, that connection, but also somebody that, um, you know, to, to work our connections. So um, 
he seemed like the, the, the best choice. Mm-hmm. And we've already had connections with him. Professor uh, Dr. Morell has, has recorded albums with him, the most recent being All Without Words, available on all streaming platforms. Yep. And a great uh, album. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of how we, we worked that arrangement out. And we're looking to branch out to other guest artists, uh, some of whom we may or may not have a personal connection to. But we thought we'd start there mm-hmm. um, as we're trying to build the program. And somebody who, who could recognize that we're in a growing stage, developmental stage, you know, in, in our building up of the program. Um, your second question was the comp- my composition stuff. Yeah. Um, I have a degree in composition, and I thought I would be doing a lot more composing. Uh, my bachelor's is in composition. I have uh, essentially a master's in jazz composition. I mm. uh, did a composition recital, two composition recitals. Um, but I haven't really composed a whole lot in the last few years, um, pretty much since I arrived at LVC. And and I would say part of it is because, again, I'm, I'm respecting that my colleagues are – there are, are designated people that are composing faculty, right? And that's not, I mean, that's more of an excuse, I would say. But, uh, you know, Dr. Morell is the composer in residence here. Mm. And, and so, uh, and, and I wouldn't say that's what's really preventing me, but I, I do kind of respect that. It's, uh, it's, it really just has a lot to do with Staying in your lane. Yeah. Well, that and also just so much, it takes so it's much wild. energy to compose. Yeah. And if you don't have an outlet, uh, a, a, a regular group that you're working with um, to actually realize and have those those tunes played, it becomes kind of what's the point. And so that's why I felt like I was already sort of well into my career. I had not yet released my own album. I recorded on other pe- people's album, but never had released my own stuff. And I had a whole body of compositions that I hadn't ever got into the studio to record. And I thought, you know what? I'm never going to do this if I don't just make a decision to do it and and get it done. And so that's what was the focus of my sabbatical um, five years ago is I I got the funding, as you know, Mm kind of pricey to put together an album. Mm -hmm. And uh, through a grant uh, given to me through LVC and then – went into the studio a year a year later in the beginning of 2019 with uh, Professor Marshall, uh, local bassist and extraordinary bassist Steve Mishi, and um, Dr. Morell on guitar, and um, a friend of mine from college, Josh Deutsch, who is a very, very fine trumpet por- uh, performer in New York, came down and we, and we um, recorded some of my tunes, and that's where Artifactual kind of mm-hmm. came came from those are that's why it's called artifactual it's because it's like artifacts of my of your life of my of my yeah my musical life that are finally sort of making their way onto re- recorded uh, media that's cool so can I ask a question yes please um, here do you want the mic yeah uh, I was just wondering um sorry if I can shut up now because I've been talking so long <laughs> no <laughs> um no I wanted to know um when making jazz music, what would you say? What would you say is the key to making jazz music or any music memorable? Wow, <laughs> that's a good question. That's a great question. It's, I think, it, for me, it's a combination of two things. It's um, understanding the history of the music and knowing 
the vocabulary of the music mm-hmm. to the point where you can then take that vocabulary and do something meaningful with it. So uh, I guess the way that I would answer that is, and don't think of this as a cop-out, but it's a quote from uh, one of my heroes in jazz, um, a trumpeter named Clark Terry. He was also a great educator, and he he said there were three sort of steps to developing yourself as a jazz musician. We first have to imitate, and the way that we imitate music is by listening and trying to, you know, copy what the practitioners of that particular style have done. And then we can assimilate that vocabulary, becomes part of our own vocabulary. And in order for us to then finally innovate and do our own thing creatively with something that's meaningful that would maybe resonate with others, um, that's sort of the last step in all that process. And it's kind of always in a state of flux. You're always imitating, you're always assimilating new vocabulary. And then that allows you to continue to innovate. Um, So that spectrum is kind of always at play. And then I think most importantly is to stay true to yourself, you know, and, and this is something that is not easy to do because we recognize that in this industry, we have to, if we want to be successful in it, we have to not only Play you know, the game, play, yeah. We have yeah. to play the game. We we yeah. and so it's trying to balance and walk that line of staying true to yourself and and being creative, but also recognizing that uh, there's that other side of it. So I don't know if that answered your question, but that's no, kind yeah, of that was that was a good that was a good answer. Yeah. Yeah, thank so you. Do you. You mentioned briefly that you don't like have a, a, like a compositional group sort of mm-hmm. to like um, bounce ideas off of. Do you think you could try to do that as an ensemble almost like a Jazz composition. It could be run by you and Morel, where That's either Morel is like sort of the outsider, but you could like work with people and write, mm-hmm. try to write jazz, and then maybe they go meet with Morel and and like actually kind of arrange things. Or I, th- I think that's a great idea. There, there have been not this necessarily this institution, but I have uh, seen examples of similar things where like a composer's ensemble uh, for this express purpose of premiering new works and. Um, and that sort of thing. Um, and, and really for, for the style of music that I want to write, it just means getting with the like-minded people and, mm-hmm. and saying, let's, let's get together and play and let's play some of my tunes and then let's go perform some of them. Um, like on the concert on Sunday night, mm-hmm. um, professional professor Marshall was very gracious. Um, and really, um, one of my compositions resonated with him and wanted to put that on the, on the yeah, concert. Yeah, it was really good. So it's off, off of my album, Artifactual. And that was a, a song I wrote, a piece I wrote like 27 years ago. So it didn't make it to the recording side of things until my album came out. Well, but, but yeah, that's, that's a good idea. You know, doing something collaborative like that. And, uh, you know, the workshop that Dr. Morell will have with his students, his composition students sometimes will, will kind of yeah. s- satisfy that same thing. Um, anyway, yeah. Are yeah. we going to do the Spotify thing? Uh, we can also do our sponsor, but, uh, blah, okay. sponsors. Okay. Uh, so this week we have uh, Bosnian Church Military Hedgehog, uh, Hedge, Hedgehog represent, uh, Representatives, uh, Miles Davis, Kilometer Davis, and hula hoop journey for their spiritual discovery. And we also have. Thank you. Wait, Miles Davis is a sponsor. 
What was yeah. the last one you said? Miles Davis Hula Kilometer Hula. Davis. Oh, okay. All right. Hula hoop one? Yeah. Oh. Uh, hula hoop journey for spiritual discovery. Ants and Spiders Home Fitness. Central Nervous System Repair Group. And... When you did, uh, there's like oh, two, okay. and then Nin- 1923 Milkshake Foundation House of the Rising Bun Bakery. Nice, nice, okay. and then we, yeah, we can oh, do the spot Yeah, oh, oh, wait, there's one more. There's is go back. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, right yeah, right. at the it's very bottom. It's like the very Jeff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff, for sponsoring this video of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy <Okay>. to help out. <laughs> All right, Spotify. All right, do you want to go first? Who wants to go first? I'll pull. Do you use Spotify? You, what music service do you use? Wait, what's happening right now? Oh, so, we're interrogating. Okay. What I last listened to. Yeah. Oh, what I last listened what, to. Or what are you listening to right yeah. now? What, the, what, what are you hooked on? I've been listening to a lot of John DeVersa because I'm playing his incredibly difficult music in two weeks. <laughs> um, and I don't have a streaming service. Can you believe you it? Use Stop music. it. Actually, I use I, I listen to YouTube. Yeah. 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 Commercial, not free. Uh. Well, based off of Aural skills, I could I could see that because they're all those, those are all YouTube videos. I'm pulling them up all. Yeah, it's, YouTube's yeah. my jam. Love it. Okay, who's going first? I'll go first. Raven. Oh, oh okay. you, you go first. Oh, sh- she can't use her phone. It's on the well, thing. Well, I mean, like, I know what I just... I oh, know okay, it's a You go ahead. You go ahead. It's, it's OD by Polyphia. That's, nice. a, that's a good... Great song. I have no idea. It's good. Very, what very, you just said. Very intricate guitar stuff. Yeah. Polyphia? Polyphia. They're an instrumental rock band. More oh, nice. Like, more like on the progressive end of rock. Oh, cool. Um, like Dream Theater prog rock or... Oh, I love Dream. More like Gen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. More like Gen. Don't know that, but okay. So <laughs> very fast... Like, like, think like, think like heavy metal. Okay. Like, like funky, but like, but like, but like, uh, funky metal, progressive, actually rock. intricate and yeah, detail oriented. Yeah. If you like, if, if you like progressive music, I think you should give it a chance. I will definitely. I'm open to anything. All right, go ahead, Mark. Oh. Mine's uh, So What, Miles Davis. I was playing that with a group last night that hadn't played awesome. jazz before, so it was pretty interesting. Um, I was listening to Scott Street by Phoebe Bridgers today, and I like that song. I like the whole album. She's pretty good. Uh, Liquid Courage by Seven Streeter. Wait, by who? Seven Streeter? Seven, sorry. Why did I say her name like that? Seven. Seven Seven Streeter, Liquid Courage. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Liquid Courage. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. All right. Any final questions? Uh, yeah. The order? Yeah. How do you balance uh, family time and and music time? Mm-hmm. Not well. It's hard. Yeah. It's uh, well. I at this point in my life, three of my four children have already moved out of the house and onto college. Uh, I still have a 15 year old son at home, um, and he he's pretty much doing his own thing into soccer and. And tennis, but you know we support him in those things. We're always on the go, always running around, especially mm-hmm. during the school year. It gets nuts when I'm here late at night for rehearsal or for yeah. for concerts. So it's uh, something you have to be deliberate about. Otherwise, you can go a whole week and think, "Wow, I haven't seen these people that uh, that I, I, I cohabit with." You know, <laughs> so 
Uh, it's it's uh, something that you never stop working at. Do you have any advice? Do I have any advice? Stay in school. <laughs> no. no, I was just thinking about quitting. <laughs> well, sometimes I, I have thought that as well. Mm. Um, I think we all have at some point. Exactly. Any advice? I would just say to um, whatever you do, do it with as much passion and and dedication as you can. You know, don't just give half effort. You know, put your whole put your whole self into it, your whole being. And, uh, and good things will happen. I think it's when we we don't really commit to something that things never really kind of materialize for us. So even if you have doubts about the path that you're going on, sometimes it just takes that, all right, I got to be bold and commit to it. And, uh, and things tend to start uh, that momentum. The universe just kind of Gives you that momentum. You're so yeah. right. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people could resonate with that. Yeah, that if was you, really If you good. can imagine it happening, Thanks. then it's probably ha- going to happen or right. could happen. Yeah, visualization is important. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank yeah, you thanks for, being for, being on. Much for being on the podcast. I hope this Everybody is okay. Everybody go to VJO. Yes. May 2nd. May 2nd. 7 p.m. 7.30 at the historic Allen Theater. Allen Theater. Oh, we almost had that. <laughs> also Fine. go to the small jazz recital Thursday, Thursday. at 7.30 yes. yep. please support, support small yeah. jazz alright bye guys good night bye we're, we're leaving like out the door Ugh. somebody yeah. needs to shut the door bye yeah <laughs>